pray one more time. Lord God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for worship, Lord. Thank you for this time that we can just sit before your feet, Lord, to be still, to give our hearts to you, Lord, to give you glory, and then to just have, God, the privilege and opportunity to sit with you. And I pray, God, that you bless your word and pray you bless everyone here tonight and those who are connected online. And I pray, God, that this would be a time, Lord, where we can rest and be renewed in the middle of the week and come and hear from you. So I ask, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to touch, to fill us now, to give us understanding and to speak to us greatly. So we thank you again. We lift this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I was thinking back on this old TV commercial. Uh, I, I I saw it. I looked it up. Like you know, it's funny. You can go back to YouTube and like look up old commercials from long ago. It's kind of funny to see that. But I was thinking back and uh, this old TV commercial where a father and his daughter they're sitting there watching this sunset and. I forgot. I, I forget now. I think it was a gum commercial or something. But anyway, um, as the sun was going down, you could hear the father's voice saying, "Ah, there it goes, going, 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 gone!" And that big fiery ball of the sun just disappeared beneath the horizon. And then, just then, with great excitement, the little daughter says, "Do it again, Daddy." Do it again. And I love that. You know, I, I, think, I think about, you know, how, hey, when your kids were small, they, they thought, wow, dad can do anything. Then they grow up and see all your mistakes, say you can't do nothing. No, <laughs> just joking. But we know dad can't really do that. But God does that, right? God brings the sun up every morning. God brings the sun down. God brings us into this world and keeps the earth spinning and the planets rotating and we have every day that that opportunity to live for god that's that's the lord yeah god does that and the thing is god he just speaks and things happen he just by his, the command of his mouth things happen he can do anything well tonight as we get back here into the book of luke in our study jesus jesus shows that he is god just by the word of his command, just by what he speaks. And he speaks even over sickness and death. So Jesus shows that all this by his powerful word. And that's the title of our message tonight, by his powerful word. And, and, and we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 7 from verse 1 through 17 tonight. And with this, I just want to put that in your mind, by his powerful word that's all god just speaks it doesn't take a lot of work for him he just speaks and it happens and what we're going to see tonight is two things and this is our outline number one reviving the sick and sick and raising the dead so just two stories really here and we're going to get into this and inside we'll find uh, certain things to pull out to put into our hearts and those will be our points but number one now reviving the sick reviving the sick and our first story covers from verse 1 through 9 in chapter 7 but first of all take a look at verse 1 through 5 1 through 5 we begin here in verse 1 it says after he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people he entered Capernaum 
Now a centurion had a servant who was sick at the point of death who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent him elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And we'll stop right there. Well, we begin here in verse 1 how after Jesus finished all his sayings in the hearing of his people, he entered Capernaum. Now, that means after he finishes teaching, remember the last chapter was just full of the Beatitudes, loving your enemies, uh, uh, you know, on and on, you know, don't build your house on, on the sand, but on the rock, being obedient, all that that we learned in those past weeks now. So after that teaching, he travels to Capernaum now, which is Capernaum is on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, every time I read that word, I remember going to Israel, and I remember the images of being there and all. And so there's this town there, this little town. There's just ruins there today. But Jesus goes back there, and, and that's like, if you remember, Jesus' home base. That's his base of ministry. He probably stayed at Peter's house that you can see ruins there in Israel right now. And that was probably where they lodged. And there was a synagogue there. And we, I remember doing a study in there. So he goes back there. He go, goes back to home base. And so when, 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 while he's there, then we read here, Luke introduces to us here in verse 2, a centurion who had this servant and was sick at the point of death. And this servant, the centurion, highly valued him. Now, a centurion is a Roman commander. And he is over 100 soldiers, right? Centimeter, right? Cent, you know, means uh, 100, right? So he is like a commander over 100 uh, soldiers. And, and I was just reading today, you know, I never knew that. Back then in, in Rome, many of these centurions, they, they continue to go forward in their careers in life, getting actually into politics. They're the ones who became the senators and the leaders in government also. Interesting with that. So here's this Roman commander now, and he had this servant who was sick and about to die. And in, in the parallel passage in Matthew chapter Eight, it says that this servant was paralyzed. I mean, he was sick, but he was paralyzed and suffering uh, terribly, it's, it says here in uh, Matthew 8. Well, this servant, we read here too in verse 2, that he was highly valued. And so that means this servant was special to this uh, Roman centurion, this, this general, this commander guy, and which is which is unusual because usually the servant they you know they they they're like nothing to these guys and it's just the slave and everything but Josephus actually tells us that um the the old historian he actually tells us that uh, back then many of the servants of these soldiers they would actually like train with them and in training with them, they'd actually go out to battle with them. And going out to battle with them and fighting side by side and training, the centurion probably got close to this servant. So seeing this servant get sick and everything, it, it really moved his heart and it, 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 he highly valued him. So I'm sure the, sir, the centurion now heard about Jesus, right? Heard about what Jesus is doing and all the healings. And he was desperate. So he goes to the elders, probably the elders of the synagogue there in Capernaum. And he asked them to go and get Jesus to come and heal 
his servant. So th- this, is, this is the scenario here. This is the situation. So the elders, they come to Jesus. They, they, they find Jesus there. And they come in verse 4 and they plead with him earnestly saying like, he, he, he is worthy to have you do this for him. He's worthy that you would come and, and you would help him and help him with this servant there. And basically, the, the elders are saying, you know what, this Roman centurion, he's different. You know, he's different from all the other, uh, other Gentile soldiers and all. So you can imagine these Jewish elders, right, coming to Jesus to ask for Jesus to go see this Gentile commander. But, but here the elders like vouching for him, saying, no, no, he, he's a good guy. And in what way? Well, we read here that in verse 5, he loves our nation. He actually likes the Jewish people, which is unusual to hear any Roman soldier even say that. Even Gentiles or these, these guys in government, they didn't like the Jews. There's this big rift between the Jews and the, the Gentiles, the Romans, and, and the Jews and the Jewish leaders. They, they normally... It's not that way, but here's this just commander, this Roman commander, and he actually cared for the Jewish people. And then a second thing, he says here in verse 5, and he is the one who built us our synagogue, which means he funded our synagogue here. And it made me think again, looking at the ruins of the synagogue in my mind when we went there, I thought, wow. This guy helped build this thing. That, that's how much he cared. That's how much he, you know, really had this relationship with the Jewish people. So before we go on, I was thinking about what a man of character this centurion was. Uh, the, the Roman officer was caring, you know, for the Jews, and he cared for a servant. Those are all un, unusual things to see from a Roman centurion, a soldier, a Gentile. So... There's a few. There's three points I want you to see today. And first of all, I just want to put this before you. Number one is about the centurion. His care for others crossed the dividing lines. Do you see that? I mean, he cared for a servant. He cared for the Jews. He helped the nation build the synagogue. So here's the centurion. His care for others crossed the dividing lines. I mean, there was there was hard lines drawn there. They're there, they're there in this society of Jews and Gentiles, the Romans and the Jewish religious leaders. And it was really hard lines and no one wanted to cross them. But here we see a centurion in his care for others. He crossed that dividing line. A number of years ago, I read about a woman, true story, was walking her dog in this article early in the morning and came across this house that was, that was on fire on her walk. So she rushed into the burning house, saved a five-year-old while the 12-year brother had already, like, was escaping right then and there. So she saved. But here's, here's the amazing thing. Her dog named Bosworth, what a name, <laughs> Bosworth, uh, Bosworth smashed a window and saved the cat. <laughs> Crazy, yeah? I mean, we know, usually cats, dogs, they don't get along, Right. But here's a dog saving a cat. I, crazy, you know. I don't know, sometimes, you know, I think um, God guides the animals and maybe this is something going on there. But that, that's like what we see here. It's just something unusual, something different. You don't see this every day, but his care for others cross those dividing lines. And I think God is, is speaking to us today, you know. Let's be careful that 
whatever society has put out there, whatever, whatever maybe you've seen through all your years in, in life, but sometimes there's these lines, yeah, we don't cross, and, and, and we're like, oh, no, no, not that person, oh, no. And we, we, we see it in society. We see it in, 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 in uh, our history with the racial divide and everything like that. But in Christ, it's different. And, and there's something about this guy's character that, I don't know about you, but it speaks to me about, wow, I, that's, kind of, that's kind of a character I would like to have and, I'm, and what Christ would want me to have. So here's this guy, his care for others, cross-dividing lines. And then look at verse 6 now, verse 6. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. So Jesus goes with these elders, which is one thing that's unprecedented too. For a Jewish man to be headed to a, a Gentile's house, that, that's not normal. A Jew would not go into a Gentile's house. That, that would be considered unclean to even do that, to enter a Gentile house. That that's how hard these lines were, and and it's interesting to me because I believe Luke really is bringing this up. Because remember, as a writer, Luke is really writing to Gentiles, and he's trying to reach them for Jesus Christ. But here he's portraying Jesus having this heart. Here, he's 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 uh, willing to cross those dividing lines too. So they're coming close to the house. They're they're there, and then when they're not that far. The centurion had sent some, some friends here saying to come to Jesus and to relay this message. And the message is, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. I think the centurion realized what his emotion was asking Jesus to do and realized, wait, how can I ask this Jewish man to come into a Gentile house. He knows. He knows the lines there. He knows. And he, he doesn't want to force Jesus to do anything like that, right? Or else, oh, oh, I, don't want, I don't want to have him to cross that line and be un- unclean according to his beliefs and, and you know, what he holds to in the standards. So, so notice, that's why I think he says, I am not worthy, right? I'm this Gentile guy. I mean, I'm... I'm you know, we're, we're considered un, unclean and, and I'm unworthy for you to even come under my roof in my house. That, that's, a, that's a wrong thing. So here's a, here's a second characteristic of this centurion. Number two is this. His concern was to have consideration for others first. Isn't that amazing? Here's this Gentile. Here's this Roman centurion, a soldier, a fighter, Right? And all, but his concern was about Jesus. His concern was to have consideration for others first. He's thinking about Jesus. He's thinking about oh, how it's going to affect him. Yeah, he had consideration for that other person first. Now Philippians two four says, "Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others." I don't know about you. Oh, this, this, this just convicts me. I mean, how many times I'm, I'm thinking about me? Yeah, I'm thinking about what I need. Yeah, I'm thinking about what I want. And and yeah, come, you know. But am I really considering the other person? 
Yeah. Or sometimes we we get into a situation and maybe someone does something and all we could think about, oh, what you did to me, yeah, how you how how you acted or what you said and all of this. And then I was thinking, how many times do not do I not take consideration? Well, maybe there's a reason there. Yeah. Maybe I did something and that created this reaction against me. Maybe, maybe I miscommunicated something. Maybe, maybe I got them angry by some, something I, I unknowingly did and I didn't know. Yeah? Or maybe, how about, maybe they're going through something today and there's something heavy upon them and, and you don't know but they're super stressed out. It just comes, comes, comes out on you. right? Well, I think it was convicting me. I think we have to think about how this guy had this consideration for others. He was thinking about Jesus, and I was thinking, wow, Lord, help me to have that kind of character too and that kind of thought before I do anything, to look on not my interest so much, but the interest of others first. All right, verse 7 now. So the message goes on from the centurion. In verse 7, he says, Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Jesus was amazed by the words that were coming out of this centurion. I mean, how the centurion had faith. Like, isn't it sad? Faith that he, not even in Israel he's seen. Not even those supposedly people of God don't see Jesus like this. They don't look to Jesus in in that way. This Gentile Roman soldier believes in who Jesus is and in his power. Power. He believes in that authority. He knows who Jesus is. So that's why the centurion is like, you know what? Just just say the word. I know he can be healed just like that. All you need to do is say the word. You know why? Because I understand how it works. You know, me, I'm under an authority too. And then my soldiers are under me, and I command them to do something. They go. I gave, give them word. They, they come. Yeah? They do what I, I say. I, I order everyone around just by my word. So I know you can do the same because you're the ultimate authority. Isn't that amazing? So he knows Jesus can heal just by a word. Jesus doesn't have to go there. Jesus' presence doesn't have to be in that house. He's considering him saying, you know what, I'm not worthy. I'm this Gentile. You know, I'm not even worthy to go to the temple. I'm an unworthy guy even in all of that. But you know what? You can just speak the word. And by your command, the servant can be healed. I understand it. I know who you are. I understand your authority. Matthew 8 says that Jesus, uh, in, in that parallel passage, Jesus then said, because you believe it has happened. And it said that right at the moment he said that, the servant was healed. And that's what the friends find out, right? They go back to the house and they see that the servant was healed. 
So Jesus, just by his powerful word, Jesus healed the servant and showed God reviving the sick, bringing the sick to health again. And so what amazing thing with the centurion. The amazing thing is his view of Jesus took him at his word. His view of Jesus took him at his word. He saw Jesus for who Jesus really is. God, the Lord, the King, the one to be able to command just by his word and heal. This is amazing. This is a centurion, a Roman soldier, a Gentile, seeing this so clearly. I'm I'm amazed at that. His view of Jesus took him at his word. So it was so clear. He just took Jesus at his word. He knew Jesus would just need to speak and say it's healed, and that would happen. Have you heard the phrase, uh, you can take it to the bank, right? And maybe it's an old phrase because in our digital age, I, I don't hardly go to the bank anymore. But, you know, it means it's guaranteed, it's certain, it's a fact. It comes from the idea of, of someone can write you a check and give you that check and say, this is good as cash, you know. You can take it to the bank and cash it, no problem. It's, it's for sure, you know, in that way. The check is good. Well, that's what God's word is. You can take it to the bank. It's good. It's reliable. It's guaranteed. It's certain. It will accomplish what it says. Isn't that great to know? That's what we have here. What comes out of God's mouth and what we have in our hands here, it will come to pass. It will happen. His promises will work. No worry, no doubt, it will all happen. And you can rely upon that. If you believe that Jesus really is the Lord, that he is God, that he, he is king, then you know all he has to do is speak. And it's going to happen. A little girl and a friend were counting the change they had, and the little girl said that she had ten pennies, and her friend looked in her hand and said, no, you only have five pennies. What, what are you talking about? Well, this first girl said, yes, I have five pennies now, but my father told me he would give me five more tonight. So I have ten. See, the little girl understood that the father's word was as good as done. That's it, you guys. That's the way to to look at the Lord, look at what he says. That's the way to hold on in faith, to believe that if God gives you a word, then we've got to hold on like that. So who is Jesus to you? Is he really God? Is he? Do you really embrace that? Do you really believe that, that he is Lord God? If you do, then God can. Is he your Savior? Then you know he cares. If he's the powerful one, the um, omnipotent God, then you know nothing is impossible to him. I love this by Corey Ten Boom. She said, God raises the level of the impossible. <laughs> Isn't that great? I don't know about you guys, but I need to hear this too. I need to hear and remind myself that, oh, Lord, you know what? What you say, you're going to do. And I'm going to hold on to that fact. I'm going to believe. I want to be like the centurion here and believe like that. So Jesus shows his deity by his powerful 
word, reviving the sick. sick. So now we go to number two, raising the dead, raising the dead. And this is the second story here from verse 11 through 17. But let's take a look at verse 11 through 13 first. It says, soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his, di- his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. So let's stop right there. So soon afterward, Jesus, he went out, and he went to this town called Nain. Nain is about a day's journey southwest of Capernaum. So like a, a, a day's walk you know, down there. So him and the disciples, a lot of people are following him and wondering what he's going to do. And then when he got to this town, he got to this gate. And, and usually the, the cities, these towns had a wall around them for protection. There was gates. And so they were going outside. They're coming out outside through the gates of the city, basically to bury this man, this son that had died. And so, you know what this is? This, this, this was a funeral procession going on, right? So they're bringing the body out to be buried. So, so here he, he, he comes and meets his funeral procession there. And, and, and being carried was this man who died. And, and Luke explains here, this is the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So this puts this mother in a really bad state because she's a widow. Her husband had died. And so most likely what happens in the culture there, the son takes care of the mom there. So the son was supporting, but something happened, and he died now. And here's, here's this widow, here's this mother, now basically facing a future with, like, nothing there. But when Jesus saw all this and, and, and knowing all this is going on and the, 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 the state now of his mother, the son just had died. When Jesus saw this, and, and I, I love this. In verse 13 it says, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Don't weep. I like that compassion, you guys. Underline that. Compassion. Oh, the love of of Jesus here. He didn't really know this person. He wasn't part of his family. Yeah? It wasn't like a family friend or a relative. It's just nobody but coming out. Here's this mother who is alone now. Most likely no means of supporting herself. And this funeral procession coming out. It was a sad, sad day. Not just because the man died. Her son died. But, but it was a dark future for her on top of that. And so here is Jesus with this compassion. I want to stop here. I want you to think about this right now. I want you to think about, and this is the first point. When Jesus sees you sad, weeping, hurting, or feeling alone, his heart is moved with compassion. That's what's going on here. He saw what's happening. He saw the lady weeping, and he says, don't weep, don't cry. Jesus was moved with compassion, and, and I'm encouraged by that. My tears, my, my, the times I'm hurting, when I'm sad, and, 
Sometimes, I don't know, maybe I feel like I, I condemn myself, like, oh, sorry, I don't have faith, God, oh, oh, sorry, you know. But when you're sad, you're sad, right? When you're overwhelmed with that, when you're hurting, when, you know what, know this, Jesus, when he sees you sad, in your heart, when you're weeping, you're hurting, maybe you're feeling alone, maybe like this woman, his heart is moved with compassion. Be encouraged. Matthew Henry said, All the compassions of all the tender fathers in the world compared with the tender mercies of our God would be but as a candle to the sun or a drop to the ocean. And I love that thought. Yeah, I like that thought. You know, God's mercy and and let's add compassion as we're talking about here. That compared, if you, if you put together all the the compassion and, and tenderness of all the fathers to their children everywhere, our God, our our Father, or and Jesus Christ, you know what? It's nothing compared to His love and compassion upon it. It's like a candle to the sun. The sun's like candles just a, or a drop to the ocean we do not realize how much god loves us i i, I don't we i don't think we can even contain and conceive in our minds but i say this to encourage you tonight that you are love that god loves you and cares for you and has compassion upon you and if you feel like maybe god doesn't love love me or this is happening because God doesn't love you. No. Know that God loves you. And he has compassion upon you. In your sadness. and your weeping. and your tears. and your hurting. and feeling alone. Know that. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. Well look at verse 14 and 15. Then he came up and touched the bear. And the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you. Arise, And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. So that's why Jesus said, do not weep, right? Because he's raising the son from the dead. Incredible, incredible. So Jesus turns to the mother and says, hey, don't, don't weep right now. Don't, don't cry. And he comes up, and this word beer, I was like, what is that? In verse 14 in New King James, it probably says uh, coffin, but Really, the accurate transla- translation, the beer is the frame of the basically the, the stretcher that is carrying the body. So they're carrying the dead body out. So we could say today coffin, yeah, but back then it was this stretcher kind of thing, this, this frame that they're carrying the body was upon. And so he comes up and he basically comes up to that. And I, I just feel like there's, he just comes and just just puts his hand upon, you know, the frame there. He's looking over the sun. And then he speaks. And by his word, the dead man sat up and began to talk. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's alive. All of a sudden, he... Could you imagine him sitting up? And he opens his mouth and says, Happy birthday. No. Well, wasn't that Frosty the Snowman or something like that, right? Yeah, all of a sudden, he, when he came alive, right? I mean, whatever that was, right? That's just a random... Weird thought in my mind. <laughs> but imagine, you know, he just sits up there. Oh, hello, world, you know, yeah, you know, kind of thing like that. And he starts to speak. And then it says, Jesus um, gave him to his mother. 
So here we see the second thing I want you to see is Jesus proves his authority and power by raising up the dead. Who could do that? Only God. Only God can. Only the creator. Take a moment. Turn over to the right to John. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, the next gospel over. John chapter 1 in the first three verses. I want to read this together. John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then look at verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Who is this word? Who is this word that was was in the beginning? He was God, basically, uh, uh, from eternally past. He, he was God, always God. Who is the word? Well, who is John talking about? Jesus. So can you imagine our story now? Here's Jesus, the creator of everything, the creator of the earth, the world, everything around us. Here is the creator saying to the mother, don't cry. And just speaking the word, and the guy is alive. He's raised from the dead. So we understand, right? The creator of all things can surely raise the dead. Just by him speaking, he can get the heart beating again. Just by his word, the, the blood is moving through the blood vessels. Just by him speaking, he could bring life into dead tissues. Right? Just by him speaking, he can bring breath into the lungs. I mean, how amazing this is. This is the creator God. So I'm putting into your minds, reminding you, look, that's who Jesus is. He's the creator God. And you know, how many times have we prayed for people and they've been healed? I was hearing a story yesterday. Same thing. The doctor said, oh, this is a miracle. I was praying for someone. Or, or I was thinking about, um, I don't know if you guys remember or know. I don't remember if I even talked about it um, in church. But um, my uncle, one of my uncles on the mainland, he got sick with the COVID. And he had some heart problems, but this really brought everything on and you know the the fluid and all that was starting and everything and and um uh he got worse and worse actually my uncle and my auntie his wife they both got it and sadly they were in different hospitals i don't know how that happened and my my auntie she um she doesn't speak good english and she was just she didn't know what was going on and i think i forgot if someone went or my mom called or something, but helped her understand what's going on. She didn't know where her husband was. It was just a, it was a desperate situation, but, but they were both sick. And uh, we were praying for them, and my auntie got better. But my uncle wasn't getting better. And, and I remember uh, we, were, we were praying, and, and um, my mom was calling me and saying, yeah, he, he wanted, uh, the son went, my cousin went, and he wanted to talk to my mother. My mother's the nechan, the oldest. And so she's like the respected one, and he wanted to talk to my mom to actually say, you know what, I'm going to die, say goodbye. It was like his last, last words kind of thing. And uh, um, my mom's telling me all this. I go, whoa, and so we're, we're really praying. And, and so he's saying this because the doctor had told him that, you know, 
you're you're gonna die. I think he had like three or four days to live. The doctor predicted you're you're gonna die, and all that. And that's what the doctor told them. And this was from the COVID and everything. But we were praying. Well, the next morning after the doctor told him that, all of a sudden it all switched switched around, turned around, and he got better. He was getting better. And the day that he was supposed to die, he ended up being checked out of the hospital. Praise God, yeah. That that's that's God working there. I mean, the what do they call it? Prognosis, whatever was bad. Yet God came, intervened, and and I don't think he's saved, but we're really praying for him that he would see God doing this work. And, and I'll tell you, all, reading this made me think about, wow, Jesus, you're the creator. You can do these things. It's you just speak your word and it happens, you know. And and that's why we need to pray. That's why we need to believe that our our Jesus can heal and miracles and and physical healing are are, are what he does. He has that power. So we need to believe in that. And we see it back back to Luke chapter 7. We see it right here. Jesus raised this man from the dead. So our last two verses here tonight. It says in verse 16, uh, fear seized them all and they glorify God saying a great prophet has arisen among us and God has visited his people and this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country so when it says great uh, or fear seized them all that means like they were just in awe like whoa you know kind of like whoa you know chicken skin almost moment there like that and so they glorified god they gave god glory what this is god moving here and 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 they were saying things like look at jesus he's a great prophet he's risen up in front of us and people were saying god has visited his people like god is here and so this report i mean can you imagine I mean, in our lifetime, have we even heard anybody being raised from the dead? And the people were there seeing someone being raised from the dead? Have we ever seen that with our own eyes? I mean, think about back then. And so here's this son who is dead, is alive. And, oh, they're like, whoa. And so, of course, the news goes out, Judea, the, the southern area of Israel, and then everywhere, basically, it went out. Now, it was right the people thought Jesus was like the prophets of old. That, that was right. I mean, God was definitely moving here. And, and here is a guy here. So he's like that. But it was wrong in that Jesus, thinking that Jesus is just a prophet. Because he's much more, he's God himself who come down to help them. And so our last point here is this. Jesus is much more than a miracle worker. But God the Son come to save. Jesus is much more than a miracle worker, but God the Son come to save. They, news was going out, yeah? And perhaps many were believing, but he, 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 he wasn't like, oh, just this prophet, you know? And God brought this prophet and using this prophet uh, to visit the people, but he's much more than this because here Jesus proved it by raising this man from the dead. You know, the interesting thing is, is this town name, you know, where, where they are coming out of, where Jesus raised the, the man. This, this town of Nain is on the other side of the hill of More, uh, Shunem, which uh, is actually this miracle. It, it's placed in the general location where Elisha has, had raised a boy from the dead. 
So that's interesting to me because I think the people would have known all the old stories, you know, Elisha. And here Jesus does it right here. So no wonder, oh, there's a prophet. God is visiting us again through the prophet and all that. Wait, but this was different. When Elisha raised the dead boy, um, in a similar way, he was the only son of the women in Shunan. And, but you know what he had to do? He had to stretch himself out on the boy and pray, 2 Kings chapter 4. That's how the boy was, was raised up. He had to do this physical act to do that. Even when Elijah raised a, a, a son in Zarephath in 1 Kings 17, he had to cry out to God, stretch himself on the boy like three times, actually. Three times. But notice what happened here. Jesus, he just spoke, right? Jesus just spoke. Young man, I say to you, arise. Jesus didn't have to like cry out to the Father, you know. Jesus didn't have to lay down on that stretcher thing. No, he just spoke, arise. And boom, boom, boom. His body came alive again because the Creator God did that. So Jesus is not just another prophet, but truly God who has the power to do the impossible. And only God can do this impossible. God did it through the prophets, Elisha and Elijah. But here God did it himself right there. And, and I think that's another thing we have to put in our minds is that, that God has that power to do the impossible. And sometimes we may face some situations to us it's like, oh, I don't see a way out. I don't, I don't see how this is going to work out. It's impossible, right? We may use that word. But God wants to do the impossible in your life. Listen to what um, Armin Geswin said. When God is about to do something great, he starts with a difficulty. When he is about to do something truly mag- magnificent, he starts with an impossibility. I love that. That's where he really shows himself. So what impossible situation are you facing right now? What is that? What is that you can't see? You know? What is it that oh, you're, you're staying up at night or, or you're overwhelmed with emotions and, and heart? You, you, you just can't. God, this is impossible and you're in despair. Well, you know, it's just an opportunity for God to work. Yeah? He wants to do the impossible in, in your life. I feel like me just being here with you guys and we're studying Luke and sitting together here on a Wednesday night, that's an impossibility. I mean, I would not be here. I would never thought I could do, do that. But God worked in my life. And that's something to think about, you guys. You see, God not only raises the dead physically, but he raises the dead spiritually. Spiritually, you guys. Uh, we know sin kills us spiritually, right? It, it, it kills our relationship with God. It's broken. Um, we're actually, without Jesus in our life, we're like zombies. We're dead men walking. You know, kind of thing. We really are, spiritually. That's what we literally are. But when Jesus comes into our life and we are forgiven, he makes us a new creation, he raises us up from the dead spiritually. And we become new people, new creations. And in that, God is doing this impossible 
thing that we never thought we could ever do or we never thought we can ever become. Become, you guys. I was talking to someone the other day, um, last week, and, and um, um, we needed some counseling stuff. We were talking, and I was meeting with them, and I was, I was talking to him about certain things. He goes, I don't know if I can do that. I can't do that. You know, I, no way. And I was saying, look, you know what? God can, though. He, we're new creations. He's, 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 he's making us. He's working in us. You know, uh, Ephesians 2.10. He's, he's, he's the one who helps us. He just doesn't say, you better do this. No, he, he says, no, you can do this because I'm going to help you. I'm going to change you into that. And that, that's the same thing. Sometimes we feel like we're too dead and gone. We, I, I can't do what God is asking me to do. I can't be that kind of person. I can't control myself. I, 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 I can't do all these things. And then we, we start spinning into this, this state of condemnation or the state of unworthiness, like, like oh, I'm just not worthy, you know? And you feel like, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. Or, you know, you start feeling like, I'm no good. or uh, All that worthlessness, self-worthlessness. But it's not true. Don't listen to yourself. There. Don't, don't let the enemy say those things to you and, and, and push you down to live under some rock somewhere. Just, ah, I'm not going to do nothing there. Yeah. Or ah, you, you just say, well, I'm just the way I am. And you just resolve to do nothing, not change, not try. right? And then your, your marriage suffers. Or there's a relationship here that suffers. Or your family suffers. Or your work suffers. Whatever that is. Listen. God can raise you up spiritually and change you. Just as he did here. We believe this, right? Do you believe this tonight that Jesus raised this guy from the dead? Yes? Yes? Yes. Then you know what? He can raise you up from the spiritually dead. If you're lost in sin, if you're without hope, if you're discouraged, if you're feeling dead inside, worthless, you got an empty shell. If you feel like, oh, I made so many mistakes, I, I don't know if I can get out of this. I've ruined things. You know what? Jesus can raise the dead spiritually just by the power of his word, you guys. His word. And, th- and that's why we study this. We, we study and we read things like this and go, okay, Lord, you can do this in my life. He did it here. He did it with, with the disciples, right? He, he raised them up, called them. They become apostles, the ones who, who, who spoke for, for Jesus, who gave us the word of God. I mean, these were nobody guys who made a whole bunch of mistakes, yeah? And you know what? God is still raising people today, you and I. I'll close with this. Um, D.L. Moody, the great evangelist in the late 1800s, wrote that when he was first called upon to preach a funeral sermon, it was the first time he had to conduct his funeral, he went through all the four Gospels in in the Bible, and he was trying to find one of Christ's funeral sermons. And you know what he said? He couldn't find one. Because every time Christ came, he broke up at every funeral he attended. <laughs> I love that, right? 
death cannot, this is what Moody said, death cannot exist where he was. And when the dead heard his voice, they sprang to life. I love that. And that's why Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. So he can raise us up from our deadness, quote, unquote. So let's come to Jesus and find new life, raising us up from our deadness, our sickness, our sin, all by his powerful word. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this story, and we enjoy these things, Lord, reading about miracles and healing of the the centurion servant, God, who is sick, Lord, the raising of the dead, Lord, of this son, of this widowed mother, and God, it's wonderful to hear and read of these miracles. And sometimes, God, um, we walk away from here. Yeah, yeah, all right, Jesus can do that. And, and, and we miss maybe what you can do spiritually in us, how you can change us, how you can change our character, maybe to be like the centurion more, how, how you can change our heart, Lord, to, to be able to believe in you more or to conquer our sins and be free and or to find victory over them and to be able to do things and handle things endure things and and become uh, men and women of God that you want us to be Lord you can do that because you raise people from the dead as we saw here you heal those who are sick and us who are sick and sin Lord in so many ways you can change that God And so we come to you and we see that, Lord, and open our eyes to that fact that you can do these things. You have the ability, and just as you are the creator, created everything, our bodies physically, God, you created our soul too, and you can change us, Lord. And we thank you that the truth in your word says that we are new creations in you, Jesus Christ. So in that, we have hope for ourselves of who we are, and who you want us to become. And God, I want to become all that you want me to be, Lord. God, for so long, I think I've made excuses, God. Or I blame someone else when, God, you're, you, all that was to help me change. And so, Lord, we all come before you, just laying our lives, our hearts, our minds before you, Lord. And so raise us from the dead, God. Heal our sickness inside, Lord. And make us into those ones, Lord, that you want us to be your servant. Ones who love you with all of our heart, with with passion and love others with compassion, Lord. So we lay ourselves before you and look to you in faith, God, believing that by your word you can do these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's